today on The Breakdown. It's a special emergency breakdown podcast because the Mike Postle allegations of cheating have swept the poker world. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's thinking about it. Joe Ingram's making five and a half hour videos about it. And we absolutely felt we had to weigh in as well. But we're going to expand this. We're not just going to talk about Mike Postle, although we are going to break down some of the things he's been doing as best as we can tell, talk about some of the most egregious hands and why the world thinks he's cheating and sort of what that means and and what the world can even do about it. But also talk about other cheating in poker in general, things to look out for, things that have happened, um, maybe ways to protect yourself a little bit. We're going to see. We're going to get into it right now on this special emergency breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Yeah, it feels like if you are in any way associated with poker and you produce content right now, you're required to make a Mike Postle thing. So that's what we're doing. But also, we are very interested in it and enjoy talking about it. And we want to bring that joy to you. I mean, let me be clear. Um, I'm a little obsessed with it. Everybody is. And yeah, Grant and I mostly talk about it when we're not working or talking about work in some way right now. Like when, you know, anytime we're like, like yesterday we were setting up poker time and doing some poker time stuff, but a lot of the off, whenever we weren't actually working on poker time, we were talking and so were the players talking about this Mike Postle thing. Um, So if you don't know what it is, I guess we should get into it and tell you all about it. Why in the world? By the way, um, this is coming out on Friday, as you all probably know. This is replacing our Monday podcast, the podcast that would come out on Monday. So we're not going to have one that's going to come out on Monday. Instead, we're doing this. Um, so because we just felt like we absolutely had to talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited too. I am too. And as Jonathan teased in the opening, we're not just going to do the same thing that you could see everywhere on the internet. We are going to talk a little bit about his hands. We have, but to. you can see that everywhere. We're also just going to we're going to take a step back and talk about in general what this means for poker and talk about other things related to to cheating in poker and scummy stuff that happens in poker in general and because we think that's a pretty interesting topic overall anyway right yeah and and it's easy to forget the previous examples i think as we just sort of roll on with our lives and there's so much going on but there's been some pretty extreme examples of cheating in the past also um one is very notable uh, russ hamilton and the super user scandal which i'm we're definitely going to talk about but um but let's start with mike uh let me start by saying no one has proven anything yet. No, this is... and Now, for most of the things we're going to talk about today, Mike included, this is just allegations. It's not yeah. proven. There are some that we're going to talk about later that are actually proven and admitted yeah. to. But for this, yeah, it's all allegations. But first, I want to talk about Twitter. Okay. I'll, this isn't a specific breakdown suggestion, but we did have a guy who suggested that we talk about the situation. So I, I thought I'd want to give him credit. Good. And I want to, you know, riff on his name a little bit. It's Drew... And then in quotes, October best, expelled like Oktoberfest, Lee. So good job, Drew. Of course, if you have a suggestion for the breakdown, tweet at us. We're the poker guys on Twitter. But what do you think October best means? It means like you're wearing your October best. Like a tuxedo. Do you know what Oktoberfest is? Oh, it's like a big beer thing yeah. in Germany or something. So you don't think it's related to that? No, it's about wearing really nice clothes on in October, obviously. I don't think it's that. Do you like I'm wondering, do you think this guy like won some sort of drinking competition? I think he Oktoberfest was, related. I do and not. now he decides that's his name. Absolutely not. No. He was he really likes to wear tuxedos, suit jackets, ties, really nice vests. He pulls out the good shoes. Only in October? Top hats. October best. What is what is hard about this? What I wanted to do is come up with multiple theories, and you're just like I'm slamming the door on anything. You have one theory. I have one theory. That's multiple. What's the problem? I, w- I had my theory, but I didn't say no well, other theory. Dumb. Your possible. theory was dumb. I'm sorry. My theory is so much better than your theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, because it sounds like Oktoberfest. So does he like Oktoberfest? That's a dumb no, theory. I, 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 my theory. Did you even listen to me? <laughs> no, I did not. I can't fucking do this with you anymore, man. <laughs> what was your theory? Something it was about that he won some sort of drinking competition, Oktoberfest related. That's basically what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. He loves Oktoberfest. Another possible theory is well, that he runs some sort of like municipal Oktoberfest in some some town. Yeah. Why wouldn't he just call himself Oktoberfestly then instead of Oktoberbestly? See, 
That's a fair question, isn't it? That, that is a fair question. Maybe it's because he thinks the Oktoberfest thing is overplayed. So his Oktoberfest is called Oktoberbest because he claims with some small tweaks that he has made right. that his is better than the other ones. Maybe. I mean, maybe he's worried about the Oktoberfest people suing him. Like you can't say Super Bowl apparently anymore, or World Series. But I don't really know. I feel like we should get into the Mike Possible thing. I, I don't think know. We need a couple more minutes on this. <laughs> I feel like the people who are listening to this, especially new listeners who might be interested in the Mike Possible thing, might be like, why is this happening? I'm here for Mike Possible. Well, there's no new listeners. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll get into the Mike Possible review. Great. All right. So, quick recap of what's going on here. Good. Uh, an employee of Stones Live. An ex employee. Ex employee of Stones Live, which is where Mike Possible does the majority of his cash game playing, uh, recently came out and tweeted that. She believed there had been cheating on the stream. She didn't specifically name Mike Possel, but she said that there had been cheating on the stream in her opinion, right? She, she, went, she did like a nine or ten um, tweet, tweet thread. Right. And I think it was pretty clear. I mean, there's only one guy who would be basically on, on Stones Live. And just so you guys know, Stones Live is like Poker Time, like we do. It's a, um, it's a streamed cash game that they do. Sometimes it's 1-3, sometimes it's 5-5. Five, five. I think once in a while it's 5-10. They've had some luminaries show up there before. Um, Jonathan Little has played there. Chris Moneymakers played Chris there. Chris Moneymakers played there. A bunch of other sort of famous-ish people have played there at times. You know, some of these guys have just made the rounds, like they played on our stream as well. Some, Not all those guys I just named, but some other ones. Um, so, yeah, so but he's the guy who's been crushing the stream. So when her name is Veronica, um, when she tweeted about this, that's clearly who everyone thought it could be because it's the only guy who's been completely devastating everyone on the stream for now 250 hours. Right. And tons of credit to uh, Joe Ingram, by the way, who's been just like more obsessed with this than anybody else and yeah. been putting a lot of work in and finding a lot of hands and, and finding stats and stuff. So yep. speaking of stats, like I don't know how many of you really think about how to track your cash game wins. You might think per hour or whatever. Uh, one way to do it is how many big blinds you win per 100 hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, of the best players in the world, the most insane rates are like 100 big blinds per thousand per 100 hands, like which is very hard to do. I mean, almost no one is doing right. It I'm, get, I'm getting That's this like crazy. Uh, it, it does happen, though. I'm getting this from uh, something Joe Ingram compiled, actually. Oh, yeah. So a lot of credit to Joe Ingram here. He compiled a chart that showed like this big blob of players, like the different V pips and different big blinds per hundred that they were winning. Mm-hmm. And like the very best were winning a hundred big blinds. Was it, was it, were there very many people? It was over a thousand people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, good for them. Jeez. No, not, not that we're winning over a hundred big blinds, like oh. over, over a thousand was the sample size is what I'm saying. Oh, like how many people of the thousand were actually winning like a hundred? I didn't like zoom right. in on the chart. I don't know, but it was okay. like a small it's, amount. It's probably like it's hard. Four. It's very hard to do that. Yeah. yeah it's almost like, impossible. That's a very hard thing to do. And then, and then he had pot ripper, who yeah. is Russ Hamilton, who's who, the super user from way back when on ultimate yeah, bet, who was V pipping at like 90%, which is insane. Yeah. And he was winning something like 480 big blinds per hundred hands. Mm-hmm. And then way over on the other side of the chart was, was Mike Possel winning 650 big blinds per uh, hundred hands. And he had a 62% V pip. Sh- now just, just, I know th- I'm a little concerned about this. Sometimes we're going to be talking about um, big buys per hour, sometimes per hundred hands. I see in our notes, we actually have 650 blinds per hour. Well, that's supposed to say per hundred hands. Okay, great. It, it, this is all per hundred hands. Fantastic. Yeah, that would actually make sense. 60, 50 big buys per hour is even more insane. Um, yeah. Cause you're not playing a hundred hands per hour. You're playing like 20 to 30 his um, hourly rate playing one three and five five and sometimes five ten over the course of the year was over a thousand dollars an hour and we can talk about that as far as hourly or almost a thousand yeah i think it was like 940 bucks yeah, an hour but, but whatever he was up like two hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars in 250 hours right. of play playing these relatively low stakes games which is basically an impossible beyond impossible win rate in fact Right, and of course, but I think it's more. And the reason we're talking about big blinds per hundred is that's a just a better stat. It's a, of course, it's just a more accurate stat. Right. So that's that's the context of like, if somebody's cheating, of course, they have to have a method of cheating. We don't really know what that method is, but we can see that mathematically, this guy has to be out of this world, like yeah. so many standard deviations from the norm to ever even get close to this. It's 
kind of a mathematical impossibility with the sample size to win that many big blinds per hundred. Now you could argue, and in fact, someone did argue with us last night about that, or debate, I should say, last night, that maybe he's just better than everyone else and he's just doing things that no one else has ever done, which, by the way, is a somewhat reasonable argument to at least bring up as a starting point if you don't have maybe all the information. Sure. Because once in a while, we'll see something like this, right? Like Shaq will come into the NBA and Shaq's first year, he averaged something like 27, 16 and a half and five blocks or something insane like that. Well, it wasn't quite that. Right. But But Will Chamberlain, Will Will Chamberlain was playing in the NBA. You know, he averaged um, 50 points and 30 rebounds a game and just no one's ever, like he was, it was a massive statistical anomaly, right? However, we get to see all the hands Mike actually played. So I want to be clear. That is not nearly as much of a statistical anomaly. I don't want to make that a, a pure analogy because it's not like, if a rookie came in and averaged 90 points and 50 assists, that's probably a closer... I, I, I disagree, actually. I, th- I think if a rookie came in and averaged 50 points and 30 rebounds, that would be a similar statistical anomaly. But let's not get into that piece okay. of it. We could argue about that forever. Who cares? Let's talk about... We both agree this is a massive anomaly that, like, without, like, without looking, being able to see the hands, I would guess something would be almost impossible to be true, like yeah. without cheating. But now we have the benefit of actually being able to see the hands because you could argue, well, maybe he's just run really, really well, right? Like maybe he keeps having aces and running. Like these guys keep having massive second best hands or he got in one particular day where he built up a stack and someone else did too. And then he cooled the hell out of the guy and won a $50,000 pot or $100,000 pot. And that's, that's what happened. And we, and we might say, well, that's reasonable. And maybe actually he just won four huge pots and happened to be on the right side of it and got crazy lucky and that's what's going on and it's not cheating but since it's on the stream we actually can see every hand he's played to win this two hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars. you might you might ask if if you're a cheater why would you do it on a stream yeah because that's the dumbest place to do it well the working theory is of course that he needs that stream to be happening in order to do the cheating some some mechanism with the actual seeing of the RFID cards is happening. Yeah, and we actually have a theory about... We, it's not our theory, but there's a theory that's been put out there that is seems at least possible and reasonable, so we're probably going to get into that a little bit too. But let's talk about, if you don't mind, some of the hands. All right. Just to sort of like show stuff that make, that is so far beyond normal and that anything anyone would do who is good anyway. Let's talk about it. All right, so there's a hand where, first of all, he plays ridiculous, terrible hands because yeah, he, he knows, plays everything. Because he knows that he can win them. Well, I mean, we assume. Yeah. Well, sure. Um, to be, I mean, if it's not obvious, we, we think he's probably cheating. We, we are, but I, I am as certain as you can be without actually, you know, seeing Jesus standing in front of me that he's cheating. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but I, I admit, I can't be a hundred percent of that or anything. Really. Right. We can't be a hundred percent. But sure. I'm as, I'm as sure as I can be without being a hundred percent. Right. So he has four or five offsuit. There's an open, there's he a, is the open. He opens to 45. He opens to 45. There's a three bet. Yes. Then there's ace king. Yep. To what? 200 and something. Didn't you write this stuff down? I didn't write that one down. Oh, okay. I wrote everything else down. <laughs> You're looking at the same thing I'm looking at, man. Okay. I, th- I assumed you had written that down. Yeah. It's cool. Um, there's a three bet to yeah, like 240 bucks. Then there's a cold four bet to like 750 bo- bucks, give or take. Somewhere in the 700s. Which Mike calls. Mike flat calls the whole thing. So let's even just. And both players have ace king. Both players have ace king, right? Mike has four or five off. Um, now the other two players also are, well, let's just say what happens and then we'll talk about yeah. it. So Mike somehow cold calls all of this, which you'd only do if you, for, I mean, I don't even know if you should do it period, but if you're going to do it, you'd only do it if you knew they both had the same hand and it was a hand that was not a pair. Right. right. Um, then of course the first player, the, the, sorry, the three better, which is moneymaker. We think, I think it's moneymaker. Okay. Yeah. Well, one of those guys goes all in for 2.7 K. Then the other player goes all in for like 4.2K. And Mike has them both covered, right? Mike calls it all. Yep. Um, Now, the only way you can do this, like normally you would fold instantly, right? Because someone has a pair and you're dead. And if they, by uh, by the way, if one guy has like, one guy's losing his mind with ace jack and the other guy's got, um, I don't know, king queen suited, which I don't think would be happening, but let's just pretend um, you're dead. And like, you're just, you're mathematically in so much trouble. The only way you're okay is if they both have ace king. Yep. How would you know that? There's no way to know that, right? It's it's very tough to know that. This, by the way, paired with the fact that there's one hand that's not really crazy. He folds kings to a five bet. Right. But how is that the same guy? Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Like you could say like, well, maybe he just like loves to gamble and plays a million hands and doesn't fold. That's fair. We see guys do that who are really bad, but he folds kings to a five bet. Like 
what he like he like four bet to like whatever 300 bucks and the guy five bets to 1.7k and they're 2.1k effective and he folds kings so the same guy can't do both things without knowledge in our in my opinion yeah like that's crazy and just to be clear the reason why five four offsuit is a profitable play is because he's getting two to one on his money or nearly two to one on his money and because he's up against the same hand he's actually like 40 percent it's it's actually equity it's a really good equity yeah it's a it's a smart play i mean if you're going to know, if you get the opportunity to know all the hands ahead of time, these are things you study, right? These are yeah. the kinds of things you would work on because like, when can I make a crazy play that actually is totally worth money? I can just print and it's okay to lose big pots anyway because I'm going to be in a million of them and I'm going to win way more than I'm going to lose. He like, not, honestly, he made a pretty big mistake as if he's cheating there. Yeah, he, should, I agree. he should have absolutely put the money in himself because then at least it like makes sense that he's like, I don't believe these guys. I'm going to get them to fold like yeah. instead of calling it off. I think what he was trying to do was he was hoping that after the four bet that he was going to flatten the other ace king was going to flat also. Yeah. And then he gets to see what it's $700 and he gets to see a flop and he knows where they're at. Right. Right. And instead it's like, oh man, now I got to put in all this extra yeah, money. I guess that's probably what happened. And he's like, and it's going to look weird, but it's like, I'm, I'm plus EV and no one's ever going to believe. Everyone just thinks I'm crazy. Who cares? I play, he plays like 80% of hands. Is 62. Is 62. Okay. Yeah. But still that's an insane amount yeah. for anyone who could be doing well. Right. Right. So that's one hand anyway, five, four, which to me is among the very most damning hands he's played. It is. And especially when, like I briefly mentioned, you pair it with a hand where he folds Kings to a five bet and the right. guy had aces. Right. And like, I don't think it's crazy in a cash game to fold Kings to a five bet against certain players. Right. You can do that, but not the guy who calls off two all ins with four five off. Right. For thousands of dollars. Yeah. Right. It isn't like it was for 200 bucks. Right. Absolutely. I think actually the next one we're going to talk about is more damning. Good. Uh, so this is one where, all right, there's like, there's three limpers, two limpers, and then the guy in the button has eight six and he raises to seventy. This is a five five game. And Mike's in the small blind and decides to flat with kings for some reason. Makes no sense. No good player. Like, pretty and much this is a game, that. if you guys watch poker time, this is a game that maybe the players are worse than poker time some of the time. Yeah, and like I think th- so. these guys are not going to fold behind. He knows he's going multi way to a flop with right. two kings here. Like, why would you ever want to do that out of the small blind? Question number one. Honestly, even if you're super using, I don't know why you wouldn't want to re-raise kings here. Like, why not get like get less opponents well, and win more of the time? The guy time. on the button clearly has a little wiggle to his waggle with eight six, so he's expecting that guy's just gonna keep putting bets in and he gets to pick him off with kings. I guess he gets to just completely pick off everybody and yeah. always know where he's at. And so why ever put a lot of money in until you're at the river? Anyway? I don't think we should question his, okay. his the way he cheats because he's probably better at it than us. <laughs> That's fair. Um so he calls. Of course, everybody calls. Yeah. We get an ace high flop. It's like ace jack nine. So we're four ways, right? Four ways. He's out of position to everybody. It checks to the button who bets his eight high because yeah. he's terrible. And he's know. the pre-flop raiser. Yeah, but still. I'm just saying. Um, and Mike calls with two kings. It Which seems is already like questionable. It's questionable. It's impossible. It's, po- it's yeah, but there's two players I behind. Know. I know. If there weren't two players behind, it's fine, but there are two players behind. But okay, let's let's even give him that one because right. we're going to kill him on the next street anyway. All right, so imagine you're Mike and you decided to play kings this way for some right. reason and you don't see everybody's hands, right? Right. And you're probably folding the flop, but let's say you call the flop. You're like, you know what? I don't believe him. And yeah. then you're like, oh, I hope those two guys fold behind me. And then they don't. But no both, one folded, but both guys call. <laughs> one of them has a jack. And one of them has an open ender with queen 10, right? So Mike is ahead. He is ahead. Shocking. It is weird. Uh, so now you're done with the hand, right? You're like, yes. I am losing to at least one player. Oh my God. Please let it check through. And from now till eternity, because I'm never putting another dollar in this pot. The turn is an ace pairing yeah. the ace, which is a good card for Kings, but still we're four ways. We're four ways. And the two players behind called it checks around to the button again, who decides to bet. I mean, again, wow. After getting called in he three bets, spots, he bet $700. Mike calls again with two guys behind him. This is the most damning thing in the whole thing. This is pretty bad because like, of co- like usually one of those guys or both or all three, not all three, but like one of those three guys has an ace usually. Right. Yeah. And if not two of them, right. Yeah. Right? Or an ace beat when, when the action goes like this and they've already called behind, how can you call with Kings I when you have two players behind? I can't come up with any, it's absurd. Any way at it's all. obscene. A good, a good player would ever, would play kings on any street like this, any of these, any of these three streets like this. But this turn is to me, yeah, um, one of the biggest pieces of evidence that like he's not the greatest player of all time, which is what he'd have to be to have these kinds of uh, win rates. But he made this play, which you only would this ever do if you're good. if you're absolutely terrible and are losing. You're losing a thousand dollars an hour, not winning a thousand dollars an hour, or you know what everyone has. That's the yeah. only. That's the only two ways this could be happening. All right, so just one more hand. We'll okay. talk about, it and then we'll get into some other stuff. Cool. 
All right. So there's a $30 open. Mike calls with five deuce off because sure. The small blind, three bets, large to 180 with nine deuce because I don't know. Because this is the game that they're playing. <laughs> Mike calls and another guy calls behind. The I mean, fl- the flop is 10 high with three diamonds, 10, three, six. Mike has the deuce of diamonds. Yeah. So he flops the butt flush draw and a gut shot. That right. is a terrible gut shot. The guy C bets. Mike calls with a player behind. Yeah. I mean, that's already really bad. Makes no sense. Doesn't make any sense. The turn is a deuce. So Mike picks up showdown value. But Mike, if Mike knows what everyone has, Mike would know that he's still losing. Yeah. But he does have a combo draw, which all of his outs are good. Yep. But he knows he's losing. Yep. The guy with the nine deuce decides to bet again, obviously, as a bluff, even though yeah. he picked up a deuce. Mike decides to move in for like thousands of dollars for like right? 1800 more effective. And the guy bets like not that much though, right? 475. Okay. Uh, but yeah, how can the guy, so do? why would you ever take this line with no information about the guy's hand? It seems like you have no idea what this guy, hey, all you know is that he three bet out of the small blind and then he bet and then he bet again. Right now again, look, we know there are some players who might take this line who are very, very bad and lose a lot of money. That's fine. This guy has the greatest win rate of all time. Yep. So that's the difference, right? So like, that's what we're trying to put together here. And that's why no one, is, no one on the internet basically thinks this guy isn't cheating, except a few staunch defenders in his Twitter, uh, in his Twitter feed because, you know, at least they're doing it to his face and acting like they think he's, he's legit. He, by the way, on Twitter came out and said, I'm sorry I'm better at, at poker than everyone else, which is... A ridiculous thing to say. He also like found like four examples of hands he lost on the stream, and it's like that's not good. And apparently, they're all like bluff catchers by other people, which also doesn't really point out anything. Yeah, um, yeah. there are other examples too. I guess we didn't write them all down. Where like he has a he has the nut flush against a straight flush. The board is paired. He bets the turn, gets called with the nut flush um, on the river. He check calls like a 30% pot bet when the guy, like there's $400 in the pot. The guy bets $140. The guy only has 600 and he check calls with the nut flush in a spot. There's just no, there's no way anyone would do. They'd either have bet themselves or check raise all in. Right. And you might be asking, why didn't he just fold if he's cheating? Well, he's trying to make it at least look okay on the stream. Honestly, and this is something that I notice happens multiple times in all these spots where he's losing, but feels like he has to call. He does this whole like long pause, big smiles, like because he knows that he has to do it and he doesn't really have to hide too much of this because no one thinks he's cheating anyway. You know what I mean? So he's sort of like and they're like, how does Postle know all the commentators? You know, he always knows he's in trouble and he's not going to go broke on this hand. Like, by the way, they, they said he wasn't going to like double the guy up when he had the nut flush against the straight flush. The commentators, I don't think they're in on it, but man, they enabled this in some way, like pushing this um, narrative of like, this guy's like a superstar when the evidence in front of them is kind of absurd. I mean, I wouldn't go too far in that direction. It's not like we're like, we, we have an RFID game poker time and it's not like we are tracking the win rates of all the players. Although we would recognize if somebody was winning at this win rate. I mean, they have a million memes about possible. They talk about how he's the best. They all think he's the best. They push him as the best. And then he's making plays like this and for them just to celebrate it and not question it. Now, maybe behind the scenes they are in fairness. Actually, I'm, I shouldn't say this because like what they're doing is the public. This is just the public facing stuff they're doing. Yeah. So so maybe that's not fair. Um, and in fact, Veronica, who was a who's played in the game with him and also has been uh, one of the commentators, did ultimately call him out. But apparently what she said is she went to Stone's Live Management and talked to him about it and was just like told you know, what are you talking about? Get it. Like, and they weren't interested in investigating. Stones is not looking so good in this thing. Either. Stones has done a lot of weird stuff. So they, um, first they responded on Twitter by saying they investigated cheating a year ago. They didn't say who they were investigating. Didn't find anything. And there's absolutely no cheating that is going on. The game is completely secure. They said this as all this information is out. And then a little while later, they posted on Twitter. They're shutting down Stones Live for now as they do a full-scale investigation. So obviously, that didn't go over. The first thing didn't go over well. But they just basically went for deny, deny, deny because they're worried, I guess, about getting sued also. By the way, there is a lawyer who is now working with some of the players in the game to sue Mike. That is happening too. Well, it's going to be tough to prove that he's cheating unless there's some sort of damning evidence. So let's talk about how he's cheating. Yep. The theories about it. Let's do it. The overarching theory is that he has help. Like, yeah. there's somebody who works on the show in some capacity who can see the whole cards in in live, or, and and is communicating with Mike multiple ways. There have been theories that he has like something tapping him on the knee with Morse code that says like just simple like bet check you're ahead you're behind something like that. Um, but based on some of the hands, 
there's this the one hand. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Not yet. It makes it makes it seem like he knows the exact cards rather than if he's ahead or behind. Because there's a spot where he gets all in against a player who has a gut who like oh turns yeah a gut sure shot. sure sure this is where okay. This one player goes all in pre-flop with 6-4 off. God only knows why. Mike calls with 9-5 off, and another player has got, like, I don't remember, but, like, pocket 10s or something yeah. like that. Um, the flop is, like, king, 9-5, I think. That's, no, king, 9-3. King, 9-3. King, 9-3. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah, king, 9-3. Um, Mike just goes all in. He gets rid of the other player. Um, I don't remember if the other player had a pocket pair like ace queen, but whatever it is, they fold. Mike goes on for a kajillion into a dry side pot, by the way, with second pair, no kicker. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Um, so now they're heads up and, and they they're all not, in and they do not turn their cards. Over. This is very important. They never expose their hands. The turn is a seven. So now suddenly six, four, it goes from drawing basically dead to has a gutter. Yeah. And Mike yell, immediately yells, Oh no. Or Oh shit. I think he actually yeah. yells, Oh shit. Um, cause just before that, he was actually saying, I'm pretty sure I'm ahead here. Yeah. Like he's trying to be like, I'm a great reader. Pool. Then the seven comes, Oh shit. And then another seven comes and they turn over and, and yeah. Mike gets to win. But it's really weird that he would think a seven would have beat him when he's got a nine. Yep. Like what's he losing to when a seven hits? Like how would he know that a seven would be a problematic card? Now, in fairness, the one thing I do want to say is maybe you're saying, Oh shit about something else. Maybe something else happened, but no one else says, Oh shit. It's exactly when the card Maybe comes out. Maybe he sharded, you know? He thought he was just farting and it's, a little bit more came the out. The preponderance of evidence is unbelievable All right, here. but that, that example, sure, it shows that he's probably cheating, but at the same point, it shows that he might know the exact exactly. cards. Exactly, and this is the point. Because your head, you're behind, doesn't tell you that a seven is is a problem, right? right. You have to know that the, the guy exactly. picked up equity. And I actually been saying, since I started watching Mike Postle hands, uh, mostly through Joe Ingram, I was telling you, it really looks to me like he knows what the cards are. This isn't before this, because like he's just too... Um, his, it isn't like I'm ahead, because he's like sizing his stuff in such a way to get folds from like from like hands that... They're like just barely not good enough to call, you know, or like sizing just enough so maybe he'll get a call when he's barely beating someone. Like it seems like he knows more than ahead or behind, anyways. But this is a good example of it, anyway. Yeah. Of course, another huge question that people are asking is if this guy is so damn good, why isn't he moving up in stakes? Why right. isn't he playing twenty five fifty on live at the bike at least? You know, right? And like, you could and like again, the guy was debating us last night. He's like maybe he's just comfortable playing one three, and it's like okay, fine. But when you put together all these different things that have to happen for him to be the greatest player in the world with the greatest win rate ever doing it on the stream, um, making all these faces when he's behind and, but having a call because it looked too bad to fold saying, Oh shit on and on and on all this stuff. And also not moving up in stakes, not ever playing a big tournament, not whatever, like, or not ever doing well in big tournaments. It seems like insane, right? He's been playing for 16 years, but coming back to what you were saying, how he's doing it. Right. So the theory being that he's got a partner who knows what the cards are. Probably the, giving the exact cards. The question is, how does he receive that information? And there's a recent theory you want to explain Yeah, that? so someone posted, I think it was on Twitter, where they have all these photos of Mike while he's actually in the stream and then a bunch of photos of him while he's doing an interview because they interview him a lot on Stone's Live because he's like their god, right? Um, they Because he's been crushing the game for so much. And his hat is like a little bit sort of stuffed anytime he's playing on the stream. And you can actually see um, above his left ear where when he's, when he's talking on the interview, he's not playing. It's just like flush against his head the way a normal, like a normal hat. hat. It's a yeah. baseball hat, the way a normal hat would be. But when he's playing, it's clearly not flushed against his head. There's like, it looks like there's something in there. And it's multiple, um, the, there's photos of multiple times from him on the stream. So it's not just one, one example, but it's like multiple examples. And there's this thing called a... Conduction bone headphone. Yes, that's right. And um, which you can wear in your hat and it, it's very tiny and it just... Um, vibrations to your the inner ear. Yeah. So only you can hear it, and there's little microphones too, apparently not that that would matter for this. But so in theory then, if he has a listening device like in the booth, someone could be just saying what the cards are. Yeah. And anyone else in the booth wouldn't even think anything of it because they're like in a privacy room far away. No one would just ever think anything of it at all. You know, they could say, wow, Mike's in trouble here. You know, and like really easy to tip Mike off and he could hear it. My guess is that's what's going on based on those photos. They seem very damning to me. Yeah, well, that's just a prevailing theory. I mean, yep. the overarching thing being like, it seems like there's some sort of communication. That's just one way it could be happening. Right. I guess he could have a listening device and be doing it by himself too, but that seems less likely. Right. Because it would be easy to find that and then scrap it and then they would change all their security and stuff. So ultimately, we believe he's doing it. Oh, yeah. What do you he's think? He's doing it. What do you think should happen? 
okay, there's what I think should happen or what I think will happen. I mean, what I think should happen is they should conduct a massive full-scale investigation, um, hopefully get someone to admit that they were, were engaged with him in wrongdoing. And if someone like does that, then maybe the, all the dominoes will fall at some point. I don't believe Mike will ever admit that he cheated. I don't see any upside to him. I imagine the that. money's spent, though. Like, I don't know how the players are going to get their money back or how you're going to distribute that money based on... I mean, if you're Mike, you are spending it right now or hiding it right now. Yeah. So that way you would claim it was spent, even if it isn't, right? Like, you take it out of the bank and buy a boat. You do whatever yeah. you can do. You give it away. Whatever you can do to get rid of that money because they're coming after you, right? And they're going to sue him. I don't, think there's, I don't think that'll work, but I would be not surprised at all if he gets privately threatened and maybe physically hurt. If I, I mean, I don't know who these players are. Don't get me wrong. All right, but what, but like, but what should happen Like from okay. an official standpoint? How should this be handled? How should Stones handle it? Stones, the authorities, should they be involved in any way? Like, okay. Et cetera. Okay, first of all, I mean, Stone should have already banned, should have suspended him from play. I know they've suspended their stream now because yeah. of all the... As soon as this happened, they should have immediately um, suspended him from playing on the stream, said they're doing a full-scale investigation, which they didn't do. Um, I think he should be suspended until they are sure, until they can find zero... zero um, Zero proof of wrongdoing of any kind. I would think then going through the stream and seeing his win rate would be enough to ban him for yeah. life from from the stream. Honestly, um, it's not like they're. It's not like he can't play at Stones. Even he just can't play on the stream. Probably, although actually they should probably ban him from the casino. Now that I think about it, right? I mean, I think he should be banned from everywhere, but I don't know if that's reasonable or fair ultimately either. I mean, there's a lot of cheating in poker, as you were going to see when we go through some of the other examples. Um, but if he's, if he's doing it to this degree, of course. Um, I don't know how they're ever going to prove it, though. No, like, it's it's going to be very hard to prove. Yep. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? What should be done? I, that's why I asked you. I, I, don't, oh, okay. I don't really know how to deal with it. I mean, I think you should clearly be banned from playing on Stones live. You should be banned from the casino. You can't win in court without, without more evidence. The evidence yeah. we have is not enough. Like You can't be like... Your Honor, it was so sick that call he made. Like that's not gonna. <laughs> that's just not gonna convince yeah. anyone to have him fork over. His argument would be, "I'm the best poker player in the world." Yeah, the judge. The that's judge, reasonable. That's a reasonable argument. Maybe the judge watched an episode of Lie to Me where the guy was like, "I saw a micro expression," and he's like, <laughs> "That guy might be like that guy." I mean, whatever. Like so, yeah. I don't. I, while we're sure he's doing it, I don't see how this would ever hold up in court without more evidence. Um, so I don't think there's a lot that can be done except like the World Series should ban him. Like, I would like to see all that kind of stuff. And the World Series should ban him until there's... Re or suspend him, I should say. Everyone should basically suspend him and say, you can't play here until we have... Until Stones has at least finished their investigation and completely um, exonerated you. I mean, I agree with that from a punitive standpoint. Yeah. Although it doesn't have any practical effects. Nope. Because I think it's pretty clear he has a partner in this and he's not going to be able to replicate it elsewhere. I, I agree. And also, he... I can't imagine anyone will play with him on Stones Live anymore anyway. At this point, like, he's done on Stones Live, right? Yeah. Like, even if, he, even if he's exonerated, I say it with quotes around it, why would anyone ever play with him on that show, right? It looks like, as you said, he has a partner. Like, how could you feel comfortable doing that? No one's... So, so he's done on that. And that's a little something, but he gets to keep the money, and I don't really know what anyone can do about that, except personally threaten him, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure is going to happen. All right. That's enough, enough about Mike. It's okay. all negative stuff. Let's talk about something positive. Nitrogen yeah. Sports Poker Room. Hey, our sponsors. Our sponsors. There's a link in the description, you bastards. You got to click it. Yeah. You got to use that link when you sign up for Nitrogen. That's how you get access to the Poker Guys monthly tournament. It's an incredible tournament. Jonathan, they guarantee a thousand buy-ins. We got 123 buy-ins last time, which we did. is like a large amount for that tournament. Yeah. So that means there's a huge overlay. If you can't do that math... Probably shouldn't play poker. Oh, my God. Don't be so mean. All right, fine. You should play poker. Even, even if, if you can't do the math. You can't do that math. That's fine. <laughs> Especially in this tournament. Don't worry about it. You can just go all in blind every hand, and it's still plus EV to play that tournament. Even with 123 players, it absolutely is. Yeah, so you should definitely use the link when you sign up. And once you sign up, you can do a lot of stuff, including play poker. You can also bet on sports, on Nitrogen. It's a Bitcoin-only site. And something great about Nitrogen's Bitcoin-onlyness is how cool they are about it in that they don't do any bullshit processing like some other sites that use Bitcoin. Yeah. Like if you withdraw money from Nitrogen, say you bet on the Eagles to win, you bet two Bitcoin because you're a high roller. Wow. And, the, and it comes in. It comes in and you win four and a half Bitcoin and you want to take that out. You know? Sure. Sounds good, right? Yeah. A lot of great. sites are going to make you wait. Three days, four days. Maybe even longer for that big a... Uh 
Nitrogen gets you your money in 90 minutes. Yep. They're not messing around. No matter how much it is. Yeah. They don't care because they're on your side. That's right. Well, sure. We'll call I mean, it that. With, with, you know. As far as like being user-friendly, they are. Yeah. In terms of like getting your money. When you sports bet, they're definitely not on your side. No. That's not how it works. No, of course not. <laughs> of course. They're rooting against you. <laughs> that's okay. They're that's, supposed to. Yeah. That's the way it works, but it is a great site and it does have the great withdrawal times. It's got the poker. Use the link in the description. Get on nitrogen. Get you some poker. All that. All right. So this got us thinking about previous cheating stuff that's happened in poker and there's kind of like some fun stuff. It's like capery con man type stuff. Some of this stuff. It's fun. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if it's fun to everyone who was cheated, but well, no, but it's fun stories. Isn't this Mike Postle thing fun to you? Super fun. So (laughs) shut the fuck up and agree with me then. Super, super fun. All right. So the, the most recent scandal that was not as big as this one, but was a big scandal happened about four years ago. I wonder if you guys remember it. Hold on. Wait 10 seconds. I'm not going to wait a full 10 seconds. Thank you. <laughs> Did you remember? Yes. Yeah, we already talked about it. Well, whatever. Okay. So there's a, a guy named Valerio Coca. Oh, I thought you were talking about Russ Hamilton. <laughs> no. And that what, didn't happen four years ago. I said I don't four care. Four years ago, John cares. Do you have any concept we, we, of time? We had a video about Russ Hamilton that came out about four years ago, but please continue. Tell me about Valerio Coca and they probably don't remember. Okay. So he's uh, from the Czech Republic and he is a player who kind of came out of nowhere to take the World Series of Poker 10K heads up by storm. And he beat a bunch of really good players in this heads up. This is like a very prestigious event, obviously. Yeah. He beat Matt Marifiati. He beat Pratush Padiga, Aaron Mermelstein, Connor Drynan, and Byron Caverman. I mean, that is, by the way, an insane freaking gauntlet to have to run. This is where he got to, um, I think there were eight left, just to get to the semifinals. Yeah, or not the semifinals, I guess the quarterfinals to have to beat those guys. Super unlucky. And it wasn't just that he beat him. It was that he beat them in a suspicious manner. And the first person to really speak their mind about it was Connor Drynan, who after he was beaten, he said he thought the guy was cheating because the guy just played so perfectly. Mm -hmm. So then Drynan talked to the other players that were defeated by the guy and they were like, yeah, something was kind of kind of strange. And the things that were strange were that Coca was asking to see the players' chips again and again, like asking them to move their hands so he could see their chips, presumably to get a better look at their cards, which it is thought he was marking with something. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, he's banned from casinos in all of the casinos in Prague for marking cards, for marking aces and, and, and like, kings. And kings. Uh, he and there he was doing it the old-fashioned way by like turning up the corners and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he was caught and he was banned. And apparently, the way he would do that was. And he also wanted to get a lot of action. So in those casinos, he would play low stakes and play terribly to the point that everybody wanted to play against him, end up playing higher stakes, finally mark the cards and crush the games. Yep. That's what he would do. Uh, again, this guy is just alleged cheating, by the way, just like Mike. He, he isn't proven to have cheated, even though it's four years later. Uh, so at the beginning, he played extremely slow of each match, like in these World Series of Poker 10K matches. He played super slow, shifted his cards back and forth a lot, touching them a lot early in the match. Uh, kind of waiting for things to happen later in the match. Once, you know, they'd played a lot of hands, maybe a lot of cards had been in his hand and he's gotten them through his hand. He was playing much faster. To be clear, so what Grant's insinuating is that he was marking the cards by doing it all slowly, like waiting for like, and now that now that they're marked, he doesn't have to do that anymore so he can play quicker. Right. Uh, and players were, the players who were beaten by him reported that he, they, he would always play perfectly on boards that contained an ace or a king. So theory being he marked the aces and the kings. So you would know if the player opposite him had an ace or a king mm-hmm. and could either be aggressive or passive based on that knowledge. Right. Uh, the guy who eventually beat him, whose name was Keith Lair, was warned about him by Connor Drennan and these other players. He asked the de- for the deck to be changed multiple times. And as soon as the cards came off the deck, he would cover them up with his hand entirely so that Coca couldn't see his hand. Right. And that's the guy who eventually beat him. A guy who nobody's heard of after this dude beat all of these like luminaries. Right. Um, that's right. Keithler did actually end up winning the 10K at that, that event, right. in fairness to him. So he was playing pretty well in general. Right. But, but yes, that, that is what happened. Um, he, uh, what, another thing that happened, apparently all the big pots that the players said they won, not including Keith Lair, um, were when they had small cards. So when they didn't have like an ace or a king in their hand, basically they didn't fl- it wasn't when, when they fl- like flopped two pair of floppas straight. Like apparently he check-raised on the turn when... Um, I think it was Marifiati had uh, like two pair 
and Murphy ended up going all in and the guy like couldn't believe it. Like he just kept looking and was so shocked because like he couldn't see that the guy, yeah. it was an ace high board. Right. He's like, I know you don't have an ace. I know you don't have aces up. So like all that's left is for Murphy to have like a set or two pair and there aren't very many combos of that. So he was like so surprised. Right. Um, so yeah. So like if they're only winning when they have small cards, it all sort of fits together. That said, the world series of poker did an investigation Yep. and they found they, they, they let him keep the money and said they could not find any. Uh, they did not find wrongdoing. any wrongdoing. He, the Nevada Gaming Commission cleared him of wrongdoing as well. So um, they didn't. They didn't find something. any traces of an invisible ink on the decks. They did not examine his glasses, and, every, and a lot of the players were concerned about that. Right, but they were thought maybe he was putting some sort of ink, and that, that only his glasses could see. I don't know if that actually exists. But so I mean, that was just a theory that the players had. It seems based on all the evidence that there was something that he was doing. Yeah, it just we didn't know what it was. He did a good job of hiding whatever it was. And to be clear, like Caverman, Drynan, Pertouche, Mermelstein, even Marifiati, these are not guys who complain when they lose or when they're owned. Like these guys play against the best players in the world, never complain about, like we've never heard them talk this way. So for them, all the talk this way about the same player is fairly damning unto itself. And then when you read into like all the behavior and all the extra evidence, it seems extremely likely that Coco was cheating. By the also way, the fact that he's banned. From by the way, we haven't casinos. heard of him doing anything special since then. Right. And, it's not like he just got lucky to beat all these players. All these players are saying he played amazingly. Like right. he played perfectly. Yeah. Right. So that that's all kind of weird and yep. adds up. No doubt. So I'm on team that guy cheated. Yeah, me too. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Men the master. I love talking about him. For those of you who are longtime listeners, you know how much I dislike this guy you because hate I hate him. I was forced to play with him for hours. And he was so yeah. annoying. I used to play with his wife actually back in the day. Was she annoying? Nope. She was super quiet and nice and friendly. Well, that's nice. Yep. All right. So Men the Master is not only annoying and abusive to dealers and all of the, the things that you really don't like in a player, but he is alleged to have been a cheater. I don't know if he still is, but the the major names that alleged his cheating were Daniel Negreanu and more strongly Justin Bonomo. Mm-hmm. Negreanu mostly accused him of colluding with people that he was staking and stuff like that. Right. Bonomo accused him of something much more severe which was that men would have his horses buy into smaller stakes tournaments in the same casinos that bigger stakes tournaments occurred, palm some chips, and then accumulate them over time, which men would then have with him during the bigger stakes tournaments and discreetly add them to his stack during the tournament. Uh, An anecdotal story is that there was a time when he was at one of these bigger tournaments, there was a fire alarm going off, and in a room where he was staying with his horses, he had to leave. He was reluctant to leave, but was forced to leave by security who went into the room because I guess that was protocol. And they found uh, an open suitcase full of tournament chips. Right. So that's the alleged men, the master thing that he was chip dumping basically. Yep. It's definitely known among like the, the professionals that men is not to be trusted. There's the, sure. there's the great John Robert Ballon story of, uh, do you know what event it was? It was at the Borgata at the Borgata. Why don't you tell it? Cause uh, well, they were all playing. I think it was at the Borgata. They were all playing and uh, there was a powder outage and the lights went out. And as soon as the, it got super dark, our friend Matt Matros was there. Actually, he's the one who reported the story to us. Um, Ballon said, New chip leader, men the master. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That men is just like, you know. JRB has his moments. You know? Oh, man. That's, that's pretty beautiful. So good. So good. But the fact that he would be able to say that and everyone would get it says a lot about men's reputation. All right. So that's men. Then, of course, there's Russ Hamilton, the first, the original super user, the OG super user. Yeah, he's probably the most egregious uh, because not only of his admission of it, uh, but also because of the amount of money he took out of the poker community. Yeah. He took between 16 and $18 million. And by the way, just in case you guys don't know, when we say super user, what that means is uh, when he was playing on ultimate bet, he had, cause he was one of the, um, the owners of ultimate bet. So he had a mode he could put it into called God mode where he could literally see every player's cards yep. as he played in these tournaments. So he was able to play truly perfectly. And in fact, his, his name was pot ripper. I think it was cash there. games mostly, wasn't it? Oh, it was, I guess they, they discovered stuff in tournaments. Oh, okay. um, that's like some, cause what happened? Someone was trying to get some information and asked for their hand history. And by accident, ultimate bet sent, um, a, a God mode hand history instead. Oh. So the guy got to see the entire tournament's hand history and he was at pot ripper's table almost the entire time. And so he got to see this guy play. He's like, it's like this guy does know all the cards. And then everyone started looking much more closely at all of his stuff and found that he never called on the river. Not once ever. He only ever raised or folded <laughs> because he always knew if he was ahead or behind. Yeah. And so why would he ever call? You right. Know? Unless it's an all in, of course. Well, then he could well, Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, 
But like that alone is super weird when you're putting in hundreds or thousands of hours of poker. Of course, you're going to call sometimes on the river or be wrong or something. But of course, he was never wrong either. And he was also being a little bit like Mike, just completely shameless with it. You know, he was winning at such a high rate. He was more shameless than Mike. He would do stuff like I remember an anecdotal thing mm-hmm. from him that he would just like folded queens under the gun because he saw a guy at kings i mean he did a thing where he like snap called a river shove with like nine high because the guy had eight high and stuff he's done he's done that you know and it's and so it looks amazing but when you keep doing it eventually the the high stakes players put it together and figure out that this was the case and ultimately by the way hamilton has admitted that he did it he said and i quote i did take this money and i'm not going to be giving it back end quote it's, it's recorded you can find it on the internet i mean that's not like he was admitting it to the authorities that was a, a recorded conversation that he didn't know about i think fair enough yeah. but but like he he's admitted doing it um he has not given the money back 16 to 18 million dollars yeah so i mean i would guess he thinks it was worth doing um that's where Russ Hamilton, by the way, had won the main event back in the day. He's like, like was one of the ambassadors of poker way, way back when. That's why he was one of the ultimate bet guys. And uh, he just stole super intensely from the community. I think one of the lessons, and I know there's, we have more examples, but I think one of the lessons here is people seem very nice, but mostly you can't trust people. And it sucks, but I think it's true. Well, and poker brings out the worst of the worst some, in some of these, because it's a, it's a target for people who have unscrupulous thoughts well it's a game of deception anyway that you're playing for money and so as soon as you get outside like some people may feel like well i'm trying to deceive you anyway like why not try and deceive you in a few other ways for money too you know and and not that everyone's going to feel that way certainly but they're like that's that's part of what's going on also that like you said it brings out people who are either you know looking just degenerates looking for action often people who've got money issues and troubles where they're just going to be more willing to steal and also there's more targets i think you can find at a poker table like it's easier to cheat at a poker game than it is at some other things yeah as yeah. you know these are these are sort of really impressive examples of cheating like the mike Postle thing or the russ hamilton thing we got one more that's similar to the men the master one but yeah. even a little bit more audacious um it's not a known guy but his name is christian lusardi back in 2015 he really fucked up. Uh, so he was playing in this Borgata tournament. It's imagined that he had uh, accomplices, but he was the only one who was caught. Mm-hmm. He actually had a Chinese manufacturer make Borgata tournament chips, yeah. try, tried to make them look identical to the Borgata tournament chicks, chips for the Borgata Winter Open in 2015. He was going to bring them in and add them to a stack over time, obviously. And there were probably other people who were going to do it as well. Yeah. Uh, he eventually, for some reason, thought that he was caught or that people were aware of what he was doing and he was going to get in trouble. So he decided to flush all of the chips down his hotel room toilet, which, you know, plumbing doesn't really work like that. It so, sure didn't. And it caused a lot of plumbing problems and, and the people below him were reporting like water coming through the ceiling and stuff. And a ton of chips were found in the plumbing and he was caught and he actually got sentenced to five years in prison for yeah. cheating. I, I don't know exactly what the charges are when you get sentenced to prison for something like that, but fraud is my guess. Yeah. I fraud. Don't know either. So that guy is like confirmed for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Million, literally millions of tournament units. Yeah. Of Borgata tournament units. He was trying to flush down the toilets. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And like for, for stuff like that, there's nothing you can do to protect yourself against that guy, like bringing in fake chips. I, I mean, mean, you can't personally, but you can, um, what you can do though is, um, Go to casinos that you trust and casinos that are going to try and take care of you. So, for example, Stones came out and said originally, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing going on here. There's nothing wrong. And apparently when Veronica went to Stones with these allegations, they just shut her down. That is not the behavior you want from your casino who's supposed to be taking, who's supposed to be sort of guaranteeing a safe game, right? Right. So... I think you should not, and I'm not saying it's like attack stone so much, but they're just the most recent example, but you should try not to um, patronize anyone who's going to, or be a patron of, I should say, anyone who's going to be not really going out of their way to look out for your best interests. Like one of the best things back in the day of online poker is sometimes I would get an email from poker stars or full tilt actually, where they would say, Hey, we found that guys were colluding in this game you were playing six months ago. Here's $400 that they stole from you. Mm. And like, I didn't even know what was happening. I never would have known, but they're like, have guys who were on that and looking out and trying to find that stuff and refunding the money. Even, you know, when they didn't, they wouldn't have had to do that, but they did. And it was really cool. And I'm not saying that like they were perfect at it or anything like that, but at least they were trying, you know, Justin Bonomo actually 
back in the day, you know, multi-accounted on PokerStars. Yeah. PokerStars figured it out and did, took all his money back and moved everyone up the prize ladder one. And it right. was, he finished third, I think. So it was like a big, it was a lot of money. Um, so like that's, or maybe second even like it's a, that's the one thing I think you can do. And like casinos can like try and be more on top of this. There are things they can do. They can have, you know, their big money tournaments have different chip sets than their lower money tournaments, which some do and some don't, you know, they can be more on top of looking out for, um, if people are sneaking chips in, they can, by the way, RFID all the chips and they'll always know that's extremely expensive, right? But it may be to get this, to get people to play in poker tournaments. Now, maybe you need to do stuff like that. And then you just know that like how many chips everyone has. And if someone suddenly has an extra hundred thousand chips, you know, you can look at the cameras and see what happened and know right away that that's wrong. You know, um, that, I mean, we may ultimately have to go to that place or maybe just electronic tables where there aren't physical chips. Yeah. Um, there are ways to, to try and protect people a little bit. We're just not doing them right now. You know, and I say we like the poker community because we haven't really seen a need to. And also poker is seen as still this like throwback pure thing of this is, you know, there are no ch- chip, uh, sorry, card shufflers at the World Series of Poker. That's, right. I mean, that's not for the purity. It's because that would be incredibly expensive. They have 480 tables. Those things cost $20,000. Okay. But why do you think other tournaments and other casinos have card shufflers because those are their normal cash game tables they never have it on their tables that aren't their normal cash game eh, tables. maybe you're right yeah fine whatever you make a you make a good point um okay but still the point is that like there are things like there's there's still a scene of like this thing and a lot of people feel this way like right? there's a purity thing with poker and that's why i think electronic tables haven't caught on right you must agree with that sure um so like i think this is the kind of thing that may speed us more towards electronic tables like as people like don't want to get screwed, this is it's harder to get screwed. Well, I hope you're wrong because we have a bet on that. Long, oh yeah, that's right. oh yeah, this helps me win the bet. It's <laughs> well, like pizza. It doesn't help you. It, it, I mean, like it helps me win the bet if you are correct. That's just a theory. It, nothing actually has helped you at this moment. You're just talking, and you're like, oh, what I just said helps me win the bet. Do you, do you not think that this moves us a little bit a little bit faster towards electronic tables? This kind of thing. I don't think so. No. No, really? Yeah. Well, what? Okay, so what do you think the implications are of this cheating? Well, we're going to talk about that later. That's later for the Well, why don't we talk about it now? Like, okay. who cares about the little examples? All right, let's anyway. talk about not the overall cheating. Um, by the way, those are... So we just went through some, like, major cheating scandals that have happened in poker. I'm sure we omitted some, and they're kind of fun to hear about. So if you know of any that are, like, really fun and cool, why don't you tweet at us? And yeah, sure. We can have a little conversation about it. Um, so what is this Mike Possley thing? Or Possle. I always mm-hmm. call him Possley mean for poker in general uh, is really would, where I'd rather go with it than all of the cheating scandals combined. Let's just talk about yeah. Mike Possible, the RFID table. Clearly, the RFID technology is, is used in this cheating, right? Yes. It's, well, we're, we say clearly. We think it's extremely likely. Right. right. Yeah. Right. So the biggest implication for me, the quickest hit for me was that this is going to be weird for the World Series of Poker mm-hmm. because all of their final tables are live streamed and there's a ton of money on the line. Yeah. And... Like the main event has televised three televised tables the entire time every day. Like people are going to feel a little weird about that, right? I think so. I mean, the main event has never had an RFID scandal of any kind. No, that doesn't mean people haven't been cheating using it, by the way. But nothing's ever come out about that. Of course, like if if the prevailing theory on Postle is correct, that would mean there'd have to be an inside person. I imagine the World Series has that pretty buttoned down, but we don't really know. I mean, everything. you imagine that? Sure, I would imagine that too. But all it takes is one guy where you're like, "Look, I'll give you forty percent of my wins or fifty percent of my wins. Let's go win the main event right. together." Like, you and know? I'm, I am not like, at all saying this person did anything wrong. I just yeah. want to say, like, I am not at all saying that. But what if this happened before last year's main event where Gary Gates, who knows everybody and doesn't have any results, ended up getting fourth in the main event, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's like friends with all of the people who work there. I think think the kinds of things that'll start to happen is with with Gary Gates and things like that. Um, is people are then are just going to really look like they're doing right now with Mike Postle at all the hands that they can possibly see on TV and, and then see, like, good- is there anything weird that's going on, which gets, which gets problematic if you're not playing like Mike, where literally every decision is right, basically. But like you make a few like above the rim plays and you're right. 
you might get accused of stuff now, which, right. which sort of sucks. That's exactly why Jonathan and I never play on poker time. Yes. Because what if I made an amazing play, uh, an amazing raise or an amazing call, and it's just so happened that I was right that time, I could easily be accused of cheating because I am one of the runners of the game. Right. Like, you, like you're one of the owners. Like you're going to know the person who actually can see the cards always, as, as will I. And this is why we don't play, like Grant saying, because it's always been an integrity thing, even though we've had many requests from both players um, and the listening audience and the viewing audience for us to yeah, play. but we will, we will never play on poker time. Right. Sorry. We, we would like to. Believe me, that yeah. game looks super amazing, obviously. It's soft as hell. Um, big money is getting thrown around. We can make thousands of dollars, but we can't do it, and we know that. Right. So, But I think like the biggest implication, because it's the biggest thing in poker, is the World Series of Poker and how it's become like an event. It's like 24-7 television almost during the World Series yeah. of Poker. They have streams going all the time. Sure. So, I mean, it's legitimate to, to be concerned about that now at I this mean, point. That said, there's also these days like a lot of super high stakes cash games that are getting streamed, like yeah. Poker After Dark on um, Poker Go, for example. They're often playing really big money. That that said, I think if the money was a lot bigger, this would have become a thing earlier for Possel. Like if he wasn't playing smaller stakes. Agreed. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But also, Possel is not doing a great job of this, right? Like right. Possel shouldn't be calling with the five four off. Possel should. Possel has to go broke a little bit sometimes and make a bad play on camera and like balance the stuff and not be making nine hundred and thirty dollars an hour. He needs to be making like four hundred and thirty dollars. He an should. Hour, he should you know? have aimed to like. He should have aimed to be winning like ninety big blinds per hundred and have like an incredible win yeah, rate. That is like a reasonable but incredible. Like you're right. one of the best players at these stakes ever win rates. Right. Instead, he was six and a half times that. Yeah. Right. And that's that's the thing. And this is something we find. And this is what happened with Russ Hamilton too. Once they like are given the keys to the kingdom, people sort of can't help themselves. Well, that's the thing that's scary because we only know about the ones who can't help themselves. That's right. Like. This is instruction on like how to cheat if you have access to I this know. stuff. It's stupid. It sucks. Like it, it's it's true. And the, but this goes back to the high, really high stakes cash game stuff where all it takes really is you don't need to play everything right. You need like two hands, two big spots all night long. You get right instead of getting wrong. It could be worth two hundred thousand dollars to you, and no one's going to think enough of that if it's just twice and everything else is normal, right? Yeah. The thing. Okay, so we know a bit about RFID games because we, we run do. one, and um, so. The thing that is a little heartening is that, at least in from what I know, and I certainly don't know everything about RFID te- technology, but from what I know and having set up the RFID game, you need to have a co-conspirator in order to make this work, uh, as far as I can tell, because the cards do not automatically tell any random RFID reader, hey, this is the ace of spades. You have to enter that data into an entire software set that then knows that that particular RFID chip is associated with a particular card, and that's not anything that is universal to RFID. Right, like every like before the game, you register the deck, and so it creates a unique... It like knows, okay, this signal equals this card this time. Yeah. So that's good. I agree. That said, I don't know for sure that you would need a partner. It seems like you would, but like if someone has access to the screen... That like like you and I at different times are working the cameras on poker yeah. time, right? And that's the per whoever's working the cameras can see everything. You are basically in God mode. You see everyone's cards, right? Um, if somehow someone got was able to hack into that computer and get access to that screen, well, now I don't know how they'd be able to view it. They'd have to view it like on their phone surreptitiously or maybe in their glasses, which I don't know if that would be probably these days still pretty obvious, but like. There are like I, at some point in the future, it's possible someone could figure out how to do this on their own and yeah. without even help. Like these are real things that could be problems. And whether or not these are reasonable concerns, there's something that is probably crossing everybody's mind right, right now with this going on. So, how does this affect not just the World Series but all our RFID games going forward, including ours? You know, like we we ran a, an RFID game last night. This news has already been all over the world, and uh, we took some time beforehand to like address the situation to talk about it because yeah. we felt like the players needed to like be put at ease or like feel better about it. But you know, it's, it's a new world now after, yeah. after Mike possible, it'll, I think RFID games in general are going to be harder to fill. I think they, they are. I think that's not crazy. Um, and I think it's going to be a continuing concern for people from here on out, um, because of that, you know, yeah. And that's too bad because RFID games are great and wonderful. And, I mean, that's uh, how that's how you watch televised poker, right. right? And we'd have to go back to. I mean, it wouldn't matter if it's RFID or not. Like, if you go back to the camera system, it doesn't matter. You same. still have the same co-conspirator thing yeah. that could happen. It it's, doesn't. It I doesn't mean, matter as I long mean, as anyone knows the cards. 
the co-conspirator thing could be in play, right? That's By the way, the all of that said, if anybody is curious about poker time and its integrity, go ahead and do a compilation yeah. of like historical win rates and poker time. I'm pretty sure you're not going to find anything puzzle like. Oh, no, you're not yeah. going to find anything like that. You're also going to only find the people who are the biggest winners of the game um, when they were winning big were running super hot. And it's very obvious. Like Stuart uh, is the biggest winner of all time for one session where he won like 7,000. Which is a small sample size anyway, by the yeah. way. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like... It isn't like Stuart played amazing. Stuart's one of the best players for sure. But the reason why Stuart won all that money is because he flopped like seven sets and got paid on almost all of them. He'd have like a set of sevens against top two and stuff like that. And it it just kept happening. It was insane. He didn't make amazing reads and amazing bluffs. I mean, he made perfectly fine reads and perfectly fine bluffs, but just normal stuff that... When we see him normally playing, he's got a reasonable win rate, but just he's not winning 100 blinds an hour. He's winning some reasonable amount in that game. You right. Know? And that's true for everyone. Our biggest winner before Stuart was Ken, Destroyer of Worlds, who we don't necessarily think is even plus EV in the game. Um, but and, and you can definitely watch and see when he's been winning, although he has actually made a few pretty amazing calls and pretty amazing <laughs> raises. Now that I think about it. Mostly he's gotten crazy lucky so many times where he makes what I would call really, I would say a really bad call on the turn with like a gutter for way too much money and then get there. Like he's I done mean, that so many times. Even, even if there's stuff that like that, that happens, like you could go ahead and compile his, his win rate, his yeah. win rate. And you'll see that it's not even close to a hundred big. Oh, no, not even close. way, yeah. way, way, way less. Yeah. yeah. So it's all out there on YouTube. If anyone wants to do it, Joe Ingram, it, go for it right because i we, doubt anyone as will soon as but this it's happened, all there that was my first thought was like oh now people are gonna think like oh maybe poker time is like that too you yeah. know like we're not we're not i mean we you and i are the two two of the three people who ever get to see the cards we have a no incentive to tell anyone and b we we haven't right and also yeah. and there's no no winning rates or behaviors that would lead anyone to think that right right so that's good yeah um now obviously i'm alleging that but we're saying go and look yourselves if you want yeah like we feel I, very comfortable we think the proof is in the pudding there yeah. uh, but very, ultimately very this apostle thing, it's fun to talk about. Obviously, it's enraptured the poker community. It's Jonathan and I have been talking about it for days. Everybody talks about it. It's like if you go to a poker club right now, that's what people are talking about. Yeah. And that's fun and it's cool. And all these cheating scandals are kind of fun and cool to talk about. But at the same point, it's bad for the game. It, really hurts. it really hurts trust in poker. I'm concerned main event numbers are going to be down this year because they of be. this. They should yeah, be. Because cause there's so many cameras, because there's so much RFID, because people are... Like we're, we're doing deep dives into like what RFID technology is and how it works. A lot of people are just going to see this and be like, I don't want to play anywhere near RFID. I don't need to do any research. Why would I deal with that? I think I, I would go further than that. I don't think it's just going to hurt RFID trust. I think it's going to hurt trust in general. I think main event numbers will be down because some people who are the tourists who are like, you know, I've always wanted to play or I played like one event once and now they're like, like, I don't know that anything's secure in poker. Like these guys are like, there are guys out there who are absolutely successfully cheating. I'm seeing that because now it's starting to hit mainstream media, this, this possible stuff. Like, I just don't want anything to do with it. So I think new players would be way down. Like the, the new 55 year old guy who's like always wanted to play in the main event and never did. And finally plays in it. Like won't play this year. Much is much more likely not to play this year when he yeah, won. Otherwise it, it really fucking sucks. Yep. So like, I mean, what's actionable here for the listeners? I mean, if you if you're a listener and you do anything that's sort of questionable, stop doing that. You know, like do anything you can to engender trust. And if you see stuff, call it out. I mean, to the proper authorities, don't just like yell at the guy at the table. Yeah, um, I good luck getting those people who are cheating people right now to stop cheating to like build trust in poker over the long haul yeah, in a, no, in a slow know. burn way. But sure, it's nice that you ask. <laughs> Uh, beyond that, I think Grant's right though. If you're not sure about something, calling it out is is important and. It sucks calling it out for several reasons. Like Veronica said, like she got a lot of abuse for calling. Also, out if Mike. you're wrong, it's horrible. Right. If you accuse somebody of cheating and you're wrong, it's it's fucking horrible. I mean, do you remember in high stakes poker season one when yeah. a couple of players at the table accused Freddie Deeb of going south, which isn't even really cheating. Right. It's just kind of unethical, right. considered unethical in cash games. Sure. Um, just taking chips he off the table out. to and and he was very upset. Because it's considered like taboo to do that. I was playing in a uh, twenty forty limit hold'em game like five years ago, where um, a guy who I played with all the time uh, was there, but his brother was playing too. His brother never played, and we were three ways in a pot on the turn. And one guy bet, and the other guy raised. And I was sitting there with top pair, and I eventually folded. But as I folded, I said, "I'm going to need to see both the hands because I thought it was possible that they were cheating." Um, and then I got to see both the hands. They showed me, and I felt fine about it. But like I was like. Not going to let them keep doing that, basically. And not, not saying not going to let them keep raising, re-raising, but like if they were colluding against me or against other players, like I was like, 
I needed to see like that they didn't both have crap, basically. They both had reasonable hands to be playing that way. And of course, sometimes someone doesn't have a reasonable hand there, but like I knew enough about one of the guys to know what his ranges would be when he raised. And I just felt like, so, so that was an instance of me sort of like, I didn't actually say you're cheating, but I said, I need to see both the hands. And when they, when I saw their hands, I then apologized and everything was fine. Right. And but like, I, I think we have to be willing to do stuff like that. Right. But I want to be clear about something else. I don't want to go too strong on this and say like, anytime there's a guy who's better than you and is beating you, don't assume that's cheating. Of you course. know, like you have to have a little bit more evidence than uh, that. Of course. Right? Like this was like the fact that they were brothers and the whole thing seemed fishy to me. Basically there was, there was like the way the hand played out. It just seemed fishy and they had to have very particular hands for them to make the plays they did. And they did have those hands. And right. It's like, okay, I just didn't want it to be where like, because what would happen a lot on the river is one of them would bet the other one fold. They both get to muck and I never get to see anything. And like, if they're colluding, that's how they're going to do it. Right. So I just, that's why I immediately announced it. <laughs> um, and you know, they do have that rule in poker where you are allowed to ask to see someone's hand, like in certain circumstances, right? Like, so it's okay to do that. If you're, if you're concerned about stuff, you can't do it every time. You can't do it all the time, but it's okay to do it once or twice. If you're concerned. Yeah. That might be tough to pull off in some tournaments though. I don't know if that'll fly in tournaments. Um, there are some tournaments where the rules are, you can, and some tournaments where the rules are, you cannot, yeah. but I think it's okay to do it, especially in our current environment where there's a little more concern about it. I'd rather, I'd rather someone do air on the side of like caution and safety than not, than continuing to get stolen from, you know, if there's even a concern about that, you want to feel good about the game you're in, you know? Yeah. And uh, like, and, and I mentioned the World Series of Poker, but the thing is like tournaments are less likely to, to have that type of cheating, at least that you're talking about collusion because it's a random seating assignment. That's so right. Collusion is not as much of a thing in tournaments unless you know two people know each other at the table. Absolutely. Yeah. There, are, there are these other kinds of things we're talking about, like, you know, bringing chips in and stuff like that, which are potentially problematic. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, you know, it's fun to talk about, but man, it really does suck overall. Yep. It's, it's real bad. Bad stuff. So anyway, that sucks that. This guy exists. Yep. Too bad. Yep. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time.